This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to your favourite podcast, the world's best construction podcast. I'm your host, Fred, but you know that by now. And as ever, I'm joined by Kyle and Liam. (laughs) (laughs) I I knew you were going to do that. (laughs) Luke and Liam. Luke, let's come to you first, mate. How you been? Kyle, mate. Kyle now. Yeah, all right, mate. You know, every time um, every time we jump on here, we have our little pre-podcast chat, and I always feel very inspired by how serious you both take your fitness, you know? And I'm like, oh, mate, these boys, they they don't let up, do they? They don't let up. I, I've got to sort my life out. Mate, yeah. when you get to your mid-30s, you will <laughs> be exactly the same. Really? Yeah. Is, is it like... It's either you do it or you, or that's it. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, if you want to still, um, you know, eat burgers and pizzas every now and then, and you know, have a couple of pints, things like that, you've got to balance it out. Because in your twenties, yeah. you're like, oh, fine, your metabolism's really high. It might me now. I'm like, all right, I've smashed eggs and burgers and wine over the weekend. I'm like, all right, I need to work out because, you know, it shows. Yeah. I don't want to get people too excited because I know that I know what. Some of the B1M fandom alike with uh, with with Mr. Mills in particular, but I feel like Liam Liam's like an up and coming, yeah. He's like the next. <laughs> he's gonna be the next the next one with a little fan club. Uh, you all right, guys? At Liam, how are you, mate? You all right? I'm good. What's, yeah, what's the crack? Not much, mate. Just just nah. a lot of work on at the moment. Uh, um, gearing up for my for my trip over to London soon. Um, yeah, mate, it's living a pretty boring life to be honest at the moment. Nothing, nothing too fun to share. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. That's <laughs> right, mate. No problems. Yeah. <sighs> Fred, how, how have you been, mate? Yeah, mate, not too bad. So, in between gym sessions, I've been going to work uh, and doing lots of filming. <laughs> we've, we've got some big stuff we're filming at the minute. Obviously, I was filming in New York, been filming in Austria, um, but been doing a lot of stuff around the UK and particularly London in the last week or so. So, I've mm. been to Canary Wharf. Uh, which is awesome because there's always so much going on there. I love a bit of Canary Wharf. Um, I've been around uh, Crystal Palace. We hired a house for the day in Crystal Palace. So this 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 couple who are like these these kind of fancy high end designers uh, rent out their house. They work upstairs and they rent out the ground floor of their house for filming. This house is absolutely stunning. So we uh, filmed a few things in there. Filmed I think three or four videos in there one day. You'll see all that soon on the B One M, which is very very cool. Uh, and then also I went back to my first ever project that I worked on. So way back during my placement year from uni, I worked on the Beckenham Beacon Hospital in South London, in Beckenham, funnily enough. Um, so yeah, it's really good to go there, see it open, see it being used. Same paint colours on the wall, the windows that I ordered, 
all in. <laughs> How many years ago was that? I know, mate. It weathered. The building had weathered. That's me, like, oh, God. <laughs> a long time ago. So I I worked there on my year out between, uh, this is going to show my age, but between July 2006 and July 2007. Well, wow. Yeah. All right. All right, Kyle. Um, <laughs> yeah. What was Kyle up to then? <laughs> <laughs> Nappies. Kyle. Yeah. yeah. Kyle was leaving primary school and going to uh, senior oh, school. Oh, you're kidding oh, me. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was 21. <laughs> whole life ahead of me. Well, I turned 21 during that year. <laughs> Tony Blair was Prime Minister. <laughs> oh yeah, the olden days. The olden days. Well, how much did you? How much did you do? Is that last part of university then? Right. Yes, yeah, so I did. Work? I did two years at uni, Loughborough Uni. Shout out to Loughborough. Uh, and then and- I did a year out on site uh, as a site manager or design manager, site manager. I can't, they kind of got the young guy doing everything. Um, and then I went back and did my final year at uni and then graduated and went into the industry. So, yeah, oh. a sandwich and now, course, they call it. And now, you, and now you run the BIM, mate. Now you run the BIM. So there we go. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Carl. <laughs> uh, yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a very exciting episode coming up this week. We are dedicating a big old episode to Saudi Arabia and talking about some of the crazy mega projects that have come out lately, rounding them up for you. Uh, and talking about really some of the bigger impact behind it. We obviously talked about Saudi Arabia quite a few times in this podcast, but we're going to do a, a bit of a deeper, bigger chat today, which is going to be really, really cool. Uh, also in the news, we've got UN Studios' new skyscraper district in Nanjing, which looks pretty awesome. We're going to pepper the whole thing as ever with some of your comments from the week and some great banter. Let's do it. Let's get down to business. Let's go. So, main focus this week is the video called Saudi Arabia's Wild Mega Projects Explained, which came out on the B1M yesterday. Now, in case you've been living under a rock, you might not have realised, uh, but Saudi Arabia has announced quite a few mega projects in the last few months slash year. We've been talking about them lots in this podcast and lots in the B1M. And we've kind of done bits of analysis on it here and there, but what we thought we'd do is a bigger roundup with some deeper analysis on why Saudi Arabia is doing this, what it means, uh, and what these projects entail. So this is where this video kind of came from. Hot takes, guys. What are you making of the whole Saudi Arabia thing these days? It's like Disneyland. And I said that, yes, uh, last week with the Venice episode, but it's like they're one of the wealthiest per capita countries on the planet. And they're going, yeah, let's let's do everything. Let's build everything. I have a lot of opinions. I have a lot of opinions on the whole Saudi mega project list, uh, some of which I think are really impressive. Others, I think, are just so, so, so stupid. Um, Liam, what are you saying, mate, about the Saudi mega project list? Um, purely out of curiosity, I'm I'm pretty excited to be honest. I think these projects are insane. <laughs> they're pretty <laughs> incredible. Oh, they are though. They honestly are. They yeah. they are pretty amazing. And if they can pull them off, like it will be, I'll be so intrigued to see them to, to see the finished result. You know, we've obviously covered all the videos, the projects with renders and things like that to see things, especially like the I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong. The cube, the mukab. Mm. That mm. I think visually looks stunning on the uh, with the renders, and if you can pull that off, I know you're not a fan, Kyle, but if you can pull that <laughs> off, <laughs> oh, bloody hell. 
I, that's going to I would listen to this, like genuinely thinking he's called Kyle. <laughs> I've I've never had any inkling to to want to visit Saudi Arabia. If they can pull these no. projects off, I would I would definitely add it to the list. I would like to see some of these projects in in the flesh. Wow, mm. and that's what they want. That's yeah. what they want. It's their goal. That's, that's their goal. I'd, I'd rather see this over Dubai. Why? Why? Why is that? Just because the sheer scale and engineering feats that are involved with some of these, like the line, like it's never been done before. Right. Macabre, the the floating islands. I mean, I'm naming everything we're about to talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, but well, they say well, there's crazy stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> do you think? Do you think that's part of it though? Like what you've just said, Liam, mate. Like, do you think they've kind of realised that they were kind of with Jeddah? With the economic area or whatever they were calling it, were they were they just effectively creating Dubai 2.0? And you know they knew that, and people were well aware of that. And they've gone now. We need to, we need to think outside the box here a little bit, potentially. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I could yeah. I could see that for sure. What I think as say? well, just because they're not based around skyscrapers, it, it's so right. different. You know, New York, Dubai, things like that. It's, it's big, impressive skyscrapers. These projects are on a on a whole nother level. I think mm. the floating islands, Trigena, you know, they just seem to, to, to me. I'm just way more interested. Mm. I think it's important to get some some context around it to kind of understand where this is all coming from and what Saudi Arabia is really doing here. So, winding back a bit, Saudi Arabia became very wealthy from oil, but now as global demand for oil is falling because people are transitioning towards cleaner fuels and away from oil. Uh, the country needs to diversify its economy. So basically, it can see its oil revenues uh, dipping. It can see it potentially dipping longer term as well. So it's looking mm. to how it can diversify its income streams. And the big thing it's looking to to kickstart that is tourism like Dubai did. Now, it's not just tourism. It's not pure tourism. They're kind of using tourism as a vehicle to then generate further both domestic and external investment as well. The country has set up this thing called the Public Investment Fund, or PIF, which is a sovereign wealth fund that's working to deliver all of these massive schemes with state money. So it's basically a vehicle that the government has set up that is funded by the state to build projects for the state and to, you know, to ignite some of these investments and to ignite growth in the area. Now, whether you like it or not, anchoring these new developments with headline-grabbing structures is basically proven to attract more domestic and foreign investment. And as I said, that creates a bigger market over time for trade outside of oil. It's not just tourism, it's loads of other factors as well. I think what's quite interesting here, it goes back to some stuff we were just talking about, but in a bid for legitimacy and to make this feel very uh, serious and credible and real, the PIF has basically engaged and signed up some of the world's biggest architects and engineering firms. It's taken out ads in the New York Times. It's got the you know, the back cover of Time magazine over the last few months. It's got billboards around the world from Piccadilly Circus to Times Square. They've gone really, really big on the marketing, on the advertising. They've put it in some very big legacy media, like I said, New York Times and Time magazine. And they're using that as a way to kind of get positive pr and validate what they're doing and i think what's interesting is that these these incredible crazy projects they work so well for the media they work so well for social media for traction for interest for selling papers for driving clicks for generating likes that the media lap it up they can't not cover it 
because it's mm. just it's just too juicy and interesting. It's too much to to analyze. So it's quite it's quite a clever game. This this you know th- there's a lot of development planned, a lot of kind of straightforward and quite sensible development planned, but then it gets anchored by the crazy headline grabbing stuff in this battle for attention. I think what's really important though is to look past the PR at the true story. You know, while a lot of these projects might appear very bright, very shiny on the outside, very glossy, there are a lot of people raising concerns about their environmental impacts, particularly on the Red Sea coast and around the country's history of poor construction labor practices. It's been there's there's lots of examples of this over the past, not just in Saudi Arabia in the region, but Saudi Arabia is one of the, the guilty parties of this too. And there are concerns about work or exploitation to deliver these projects within the budgets they're talking about. Um, you probably guess, guys, from listening, there's a lot of money involved in this. The Neom development alone is something like 500 billion US dollars. Uh, and, you know, for, for architects, you know, I've seen Arup involved, Zaha Dida involved, all the big names are involved. When you get thrown that kind of money, people's values sometimes get a bit blurry oh mate that's what an intro fred what an intro like have have you guys noticed have you guys noticed like the the saudi arabia like charm offensive that's been going on really since like the mid 2010s i think it's starting to really like make a ripple in pop culture now especially in like sport you know like football Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously playing in Saudi. A lot of talk of Lionel Messi, you know, maybe going to Saudi Arabia, going to Al Hilal or uh, to a different. Oh, Fred, what's that? The that, line that is Time Magazine, right? Time Magazine, yeah. very revered, obviously publication, and on the back, great big advert for the line Saudi Arabia. What I think is particularly shocking is that the New York Times have. Well, they say they have very high standards for their editorial and for the, their values of the organization. But you can be reading an article on the New York Times about Saudi Arabia's environmental impacts or the construction labor issues. And in, in the middle of it, there'll be an ad for the Macab or Saudi Arabia. So how do they square that one? They're, they're taking advertising money from Saudi Arabia, but not. But then writing up the coverage, I, I, I don't understand. I, who knows what goes on there? We've been pretty clear with it. Like we're not, we've turned down offers from the Saudi Arabian government to film content with them, um, and we're covering it in a very fair and balanced way. I think because that's true to our values and what we believe. This is, I think, for me, this is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, and most interesting construction project story of our time. It's huge. You've got a massive foreign government spending inordinate amounts of money to build huge feats of you know, impressive feats of construction and engineering but doing it to really change the direction of the country and its reputation if just to play devil's advocate right i'm not i'm not saying i agree with this because because i don't right but you could imagine someone from like the saudi government or someone from the investment fund saying look you know, you look to the West and you look at how Western civilization was built, namely like America, the UK, France. You know, it was built on the back of awful, awful things, you know, as well as other things, but, you know, a lot of awful things. The Saudis could be like look, pointing the fingers and, yeah, but like, you know, you guys built all these incredible things. You built these cities and that was with bad money. And, and really, in the grand scheme of things, it's only in recent years that things are, you know, 
from a certain point of view getting better but even with that you know there's still there's still like green um issues even with like the biden administration over in the states right you know so you're do you, do you think that the saudis might think well you guys have done it china's doing its thing well we might just well build something that at least is pretty cool pretty snazzy you know and i kind of again i'm not i'm, I'm not saying i agree with it but i can kind of see i'm just trying to see their point of view you know i'm trying to put my you know my head in what yeah, you absolutely. Say? i think i think and no one's perfect i think if you look around the world we're not saying that everyone else is perfect and saudi arabia is doing it wrong I think right. there are some things, and I think you need to kind of separate the issues here. Things around construction, labor practices, and basically some of the hallmarks of, of modern slavery and entrapment yeah. are currently still present on some Middle East construction sites, whereas they are less present in other countries. I'm not saying that they don't exist. They, modern slavery is an issue in every country. Yeah. Um, but it's much more prevalent in some of these construction products in the middle east the environmental impact thing again different countries have different environmental review standards they have sustainability targets as we know massive concrete railways still get built uh you know huge projects that probably aren't very good for the environment still get built and developed but in places like china and well china historically less so recently and the middle east the environmental impact has not really been been the issue. It's been all about the economic growth. It's been push, push, push now. And there's quite some distance between, you know, the UK messing up a rail line <laughs> and uh, building a 170-kilometer mirrored skyscraper across the desert, in my opinion. But I, I should yeah. say, the Saudi stuff, they, they are really making a concerted effort now to uh, become much more accepted and tolerated with what I, call here the, I hate the term the west but by by sort of more western democracies so they are cleaning up their acts there is a lot of sustainability uh, and good urban planning principles being brought in some of these projects it's just that i think there's there's a lot of baggage they come with historically yeah. that i don't think should be swept under the rug okay let's get in, let's get let's get involved in the list mate Let's, so kick got these, we got, Let's kick it off with we a got cube, this, shall we? <laughs> with the cube. Liam's favourite building in the world, right? The macabre. The yeah, the walkie-talkie, the block. Here we go. Uh, so this is the macabre, guys. First on the list, we've got the 400 by 400 metre. <laughs> this, this thing's huge, right? It, imagine a cube, obviously easy to do, but absolutely enormous. It's 400 metres high by 400 metres wide in each direction. We've talked about it before big enough to hold 20 Empire State buildings if it's successfully built, and that's quite a big if, really. But if it's successfully built, it would easily become one of the largest structures ever built on this planet. Um, We've talked about it before, but the issue with deep plan buildings like this is that getting natural light into the middle of them and creating usable space like uh, you know offices or homes where human beings can actually inhabit without you know feeling depressed and and going crazy is quite difficult to do so you can do deep plan buildings for archives you can do it for you know um all sorts of different features storage that kind of thing factories but for living spaces working spaces you need natural light in there that's where things like skylights atriums come in you know clever tricks for getting light into the middle of a building not so much an issue here because they are putting an enormous uh vr experience thing in the middle so you've got this immersive screen wrapped around the entire inside of the building this very big tower in the middle 
and the render's looking insane. The CGI is incredible. Like the just the design keeps changing all the time. The VR screen keeps changing all the time. So you get completely transported from one world to the next. Uh, very cool. It's anchoring a much wider uh, development district. So you've got what is kind of a very sensibly planned development district around it, at least from the renders. And then this great big headline grabbing cube in the middle, which makes everyone want to live there and go, yeah, I live near the cube. I'm in that development. We're going to invest in there. We want to be part of this because it's all over the news. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Liam, what, what stands out to you like with with this project, with this building? It's a massive like, cube in the middle of the desert. What stands out to you? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> well, is it is it because there is just something it's never been done? Is that is that effectively what appeals to you? I think so. Yeah, the fact that mm. it's four hundred meters high by four hundred meters wide, and you can fit twenty Empire State buildings inside it. That's mad. You can just imagine the the scale of that standing in front of it. It's like right? something from a video game, right? You know, it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. something you you never would have witnessed before. I just think it's incredible. It's yeah. huge. And I mean, if, if it comes off, if it looks like the renders, you know, that's, that's saying one thing. Um, and if it does, I, yeah, I, that, that's purely my interest. Just going there and having a look and seeing something that I've never seen before, never seen anything engineered or built like this before is, is just what draws me into it. There, there is no doubting what you've just said. There is no doubt in that. I'm, I'm just, I'm more of a fan of shape, but like, even when you think of like, I, I can't help but make the, comparison to like the pyramids in mm. egypt this would be if you know if it's built this would be like nothing else on the planet yeah. you know there's nothing I don't, else I don't like we, keep, it. we keep saying if it's built but surely these projects are going to be built the amount of money into pr marketing all the investment that, that they've been talking about surely they have to come through well, that's the thing with Saudi, isn't it? You know, you you'd th- I, I would say, I would argue it's the same thing with the Jeddah Tower. You know, they're 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 a third into the next world's tallest building, and it, to me, I know it's different because that's a that's more of a private development, not not a um, investment, national investment fund development. But still, you'd think like maybe the government might step in, or and we're we're mm-hmm. very much waiting to see what happens with that. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I do feel I do feel like these can't all work out, surely. But they've got so many in the pipeline that at least a few are going to be made, right? And actually, out of all of them, as bizarre as this might sound, the, the, the macabre might be the most feasible out of, all, out of all of them. Like, that's the one I could see actually taking place. The others, I think there's more, it, it's maybe more complex, I, th- I think Liam's I got a point. I think you, you've got, a, I've said it before, but you've got a uh, major national government here who've got a lot, to, a lot to spend really, really committing big on this. You know, they are using construction to plan and chart the future of their nation. And I think given that intent and given what we've seen so far, I do think they will follow through with stuff. What's going to be interesting is the gap between the renders and the reality obviously i think mm. i i don't know have have there been detailed engineering discussions about how these things happen before these renders are released or is it hey here's our here's the vision here's where we'd like to go to now come along arab wsp all the big firms that are involved and try and make it work 
I don't know. You got some of the best minds in there, uh, as I said. You know, they've they've literally gone around the world and, and uh, with their checkbook hired the most prestigious builders, engineers, constructors that the world has. I think we can pull it off. Dubai pulled stuff off that, that felt absurd. You know, the Burj Khalifa on paper mm. feels absurd. Most skyscrapers, even the very tallest ones, the second tallest in the world, they all clap out around six hundred meters. We built one there that's eight hundred and twenty-eight meters. So I think it can be possible, but as I said, the get the interesting thing will be the gap between render and reality, mm, and the and the timelines, right? I don't know if there's an actual date. Is there a date for no, the the finish date? Twenty thirty gets banded around a lot. Um, there are a few dates for them. Um, some of them are further ahead. There's no date on the line, which is interesting. <laughs> Twenty three hundred. <laughs> yeah, I mean, give give it to. Give it to New York State government or give it to London. I mean, Christ, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have that for you by the end of the century. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to bring right. up Test and Trace. I'm tempted to bring up Test and Trace. We're going to move on. We're going to move on. Uh, right, Trojina, next project on the list. This is the, well, if you haven't heard of this one, this is a ski resort in the desert. I should clarify that. It's a bit, it's a bit of a hyperbolic statement. Technically, it's in the desert, but Trojina, this new uh, winter sports resort they're building, is actually going to be nestled up among some of the country's highest peaks, around 2,600 metres above sea level. There's going to be a ski slope, which is the first uh, outdoor all-round ski slope in Saudi Arabia, funnily enough, a boiling hot country. Who'd have thought this is the first ski slope? Uh, A mountain biking course, luxury properties, uh, which are called slope residences, a vertical village of restaurants and retail stores that is folded and inserted into a cavern. A cavern? Cavern. I've kind of merged cavern and cavern there. Uh, and an enormous man-made lake. They're building this huge uh, inverted concrete wall across the bottom of a valley uh, to create a man-made lake in the valley. It's enormous. Trojina has already officially won the bid to host the Asian Winter Games in 2029. Uh, another little fact for you, a little dinner party fact coming up. That's going to be the first time that a winter sporting event has been held in an Arabic-speaking country. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shock horror. Um, yeah, I mean, after the Beijing Winter Olympics and the Qatar World Cup. Um, anything's possible, mate. Anything, <laughs> anything is possible, yeah. <laughs> Construction started on that, as we talked about before, but there's, uh, there's, well, there's, there's a promotional video released by PIF which shows construction underway. So, a bit of nuance there for you. Does that I look mean, like it? I know what Luke was saying about the macabre, but this, in an engineering sense, does this look easier to build? It does. I think the interesting thing about this is obviously it's a uh, winter sports resort in an extremely hot country. That seems to be the the hook and the interest with it. I have to say, some of the designs in the architecture, obviously you've got Zaha involved. I think there's UN Studio in there as well. It's it's very nice looking stuff. It's very space mm-hmm. age looking stuff. It's all buildable. That that man-made lake is enormous. But yeah, it is it is all buildable. It's ambitious. It's gonna be apparently they're gonna finish it by 2026. So we've got a date for this one. Um and it's hosting it's the game in 2029. Yet. No, it's not long. It's not long. I get my ski practice Three in. Years. I've been doing the uh, the ski machine at the gym. Oh, the aerobic, the aerobic skier. Yeah, oh, lovely. <laughs> to get myself ready for Trajina. 
<laughs> you could be one of those people that walks down the street with uh, ski sticks and they, as they walk. Yeah. Cow walking. <laughs> I mean, not. I'm not. I'm not going to get too um, too political here, anyway, God, for many reasons. But um, you know, one thing I did like from the Qatar World Cup, and you know, Qatar shouldn't have hosted the World Cup, in my opinion. Should have gone to a country that you know has more of a footballing history. That's that's one of the reasons, right? But um, one of the nice things was seeing kind of a different culture's approach to hosting a huge event like that. And credit where credit's due, you know, there wasn't, you know, um, drunken, you know, like yob fights and stuff in the streets. You know, I, I think you look at videos of it and you speak to people that went. A lot of people said, actually, a lot of people just got along pretty well. There was a lot of banter between a lot of countries and a lot of fans from that, that were even playing each other at times. And, you know, that's that's nice, isn't it? To kind of experience a, a, a different perspective when it comes to sport. And sport's so powerful at uniting people and, you know, getting people to, to, to move um, aside from their differences and you know this could be really cool it does it looks stupidly impressive stupidly impressive I think out of all of these designs um, Trojina is like one of the the, the the Saudi projects that really stands out to me from a design perspective like that that huge lake with the dam the the um, Zaha stuff it's just it's outstanding isn't it it's yeah, absolutely you, outstanding taken a, a huge budget mountains of ambition pardon the pun oh. uh, and plugged in some of the world's best architects and that's the result you know and yeah. and designed renders purely for social media interest so it's it's like ai has come up with the most interesting <laughs> projects that you could think <laughs> of maybe that's maybe it's what it is no i was gonna say that i was gonna say maybe they just uh fired up the old chat the old yeah. chat GB team. <laughs> yeah, Go underground like under the old, <laughs> the old Royal Palace in Riyadh. It's just <laughs> mid-journey on screens, people typing stuff in. <laughs> <laughs> Desert oh. and winter. Boom. Plus Zaha. Boom. <laughs> I think, I think, yeah. You you reckon this is the most feasible out of all of them? That question was put to me. Uh, yeah, no, it's the second most feasible. Okay. Because the most feasible one is coming up later in the list, All right. gents. Don't All right. <laughs> I've had a little, had a little right. glance ahead. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, shapes is a theme here. If, you, if you've got small kids and they're currently got one of those little shape sorters, uh, you'll be familiar with all this stuff. We had the circle in Dubai pitched a few weeks back. We had a cube we've talked about in Saudi Arabia. Now we've got the oxagon. I kid you not. This is a uh, enormous floating structure, the world's largest floating structure. Oxygen is an immense port that will take advantage of its location near the Suez Canal to become a major shipping destination hub and the logistics nerve center for Neo. They're calling it an Oxygen. It's kind of... Well, 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 how many sizes has it got, would we say? Eight, mate. Isn't it? It's not an Octagon. No. Yeah. No, I was thinking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's got eight. I'm pretty sure it's eight. <laughs> yeah. So they've taken yes. Oxygen and made it Oxygen. <laughs> Anyway, this entire mega port is going to be octagon shaped. Uh, part of it is going to be floating out onto the Red Sea. So part of it's on the on the on the land. Part of it's floating out onto the Red Sea. In between those two sections, one that's on the land, one that's floating, is going to be this huge shipping canal, complete with a cruise ship terminal, an oceanographic research center, 
uh, and the floating sections of the ports are going to be arranged around water-filled floating squares connected by smaller canals. Uh, a bit like Venice, but much hotter and without any architecture. Well, it's worth noting that Oxygen isn't actually... It's a, I think they've just ma- mashed the, the words, haven't they? Hexagon and an octagon. They have. How clever. How clever. See? See? Yeah, or something else. They've, they've, yeah, but it's definitely an octagon. Um, yeah, this one's, this one's, a, I'm not sure what to think of this. I'm not sure what to think of it. So it's definitely floating. It's a floating city that can deal with rising sea levels and. It's, is it it's a living a port city? Rather than a city. So it's a very, it's, this, this I think underlines how. It's not just about tourism for Saudi Arabia. They are playing a very okay. clever game here around uh, this kind of multifaceted approach to how they're going to boost their economy and transition away from oil. And looking at their their positioning, the geographic positioning, and I'm going to come back to geographic positioning in a minute when we talk about the airport. But positioning themselves as this positioning this port as a big destination uh, and logistics nerve center, a big shipping destination right next to the Suez Canal is a very, very clever move that I think will give it much a much stronger uh, economic foothold in the region. So yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one. It may not look that impressive, obviously. It's a big octagon-shaped mm. port based on Venice in places. It's pretty interesting. Um, but it's one of the more... Uh, what's, the, what's the word? One of the more sort of um, clinical... Strategic? Yes. Mm. Strategic and clinical parts of the... Mm the plans they've got on the table at the minute so yeah well so they want it to be kind of like a stop-off point before before ships go through or come through the suez yeah right, so it's like a mediterranean shipping, I, I, I don't not hugely up to speed on international shipping um last time i had this conversation we thought they just looked out the window and saw where they were uh but basically <laughs> it's for yeah it's, it's another hub, another hub in the region as far as i can understand so boat stopping off Goods being stored, swapped out, flown in, driven elsewhere, that stuff. Mm. It's um, surprisingly sensible, isn't it? When you stack it up against the other things on the list, it's 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 really, really, really sensible. Um, and I think it, it, when it comes to diversifying the economy, yeah, it could could be a winner winner chicken dinner, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's it, isn't it? Like, you, know, you know, it's the floating bit's really impressive, but essentially that is that is the gist of what what Oxygen is about. Just call it a just call it a proper name. Just call it like Neon Port or something like that. I don't know. Don't try and it's all good, bit gimmicky, isn't it? When they're like, oh, Oxygen, that's the name. Come on, you gotta give it something, mate. We we have a go at people on this podcast for calling it like you know the City Rail Link. Yeah, you can't have a go at them when they come up with something interesting and fancy. Nah, this ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's um its ambitions are much more transparent, aren't they? So the other ones, it's there's yeah. there's big headline grabbing, interesting stuff, but the kind of the real intent of it is a bit more tucked away behind it. Whereas this one's more kind of out in the open. It's a very clever, well positioned, strategic port. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, now, swinging over to the the most feasible one because it's going to literally complete and open this year, the Red Sea International Airport. Now, this was controversially designed by Foster and Partners. Controversial because Foster and Partners were part of basically a 
uh, low climate architecture group and they went off and designed airports there was a bit of a row about it there's still a row about architects designing airports even airports being constructed is a bit of a debate these days but the fact is air travel is still a big thing um it's becoming more efficient but yeah any airport construction will always generate a bit of debate rightly so this is set to open later in 2023 and could accommodate a million passengers a year by 2030. So it's a big airport, but it's not a massive airport. Uh, design is trying to replace the stress-inducing hustle and bustle of normal international hubs. Think Ryanair, Wizz Air, Southwest <laughs> Airlines in America. You know, that kind of stuff. Rushing, no bag space, your knees jammed against the seat in front. They're trying to replace all that with tranquil gardens and terminals that will house spas and restaurants. So they're bringing lots of kind of interesting features to make this feel very chilled out and calm and peaceful, which it will be probably because uh, it's a gateway to some of the luxury residential stuff that's happening in the Red Sea Resort. I think this looks phenomenal. I know I know what you said about the um what you said about the kind of controversial um news with foster and partners and other architects with airports i don't know i i don't know i i i get i get where people are coming from with that but um you know if you're going to fly from your if you need to get from europe to the states you know you're gonna have to fly aren't you so you know it's just one of those things like and i can't imagine like architects not flying to meetings do you know what i mean like it just seems a little bit like you know what planet are you living on what reality are you living on that we don't know about sure use trains more where where you can use public transport more where you can but you're still going to need to fly to places right yeah i think i I think it's short short haul flights in particular are the issue and there are some places where again sorry to pick on the us particularly the us where it's just easier to fly literally like a 50 minute 40 minute 30 minute flight sometimes than to drive mm. or take a train because those things just aren't as convenient. Yeah, guilty. I've got a flight from Orlando to Miami, and that was that was, <laughs> and I felt pretty bad about that. But it was, and the thing is, like you know, seventeen dollars or something. It was it was super cheap. It's cheaper than the train, and that's the issue, wow. isn't it? And, yeah, and it's always it's always lumbered with like oh, working people doing well, right, right. It's like well, no, if you make like the actual transport cheaper and more affordable affordable for people, that will do that. You know, obviously, um, I'd rather get a train than fly anyway, to be honest, If because it's less faff than going to an airport and the stress of an airport. But anyway, with this, with this airport, it is, it is very impressive. And, and is the point, is the point of this airport that this area is going to be touristy, like Red Sea resorts and whatnot, which is really popular, just the other side of the water in like Egypt, isn't it? You think of Sharm El Sheikh, massive tourist destination for a lot of people going to Egypt. Yeah, is so that they're what building. They're- if you imagine Saudi Arabia, there isn't a lot on the Red Sea coast at the minute. There's, there's, um, it's escaping now. Jeddah down the bottom, uh, but most okay. of it is is inland, uh, particularly around Riyadh. So what they're trying to do is really invest and upgrade the Red Sea coast. To do that, you need the infrastructure to bring people in, and that's what they're doing with this airport. Again quite a strategic game here it's 15 kilometers inland from the red sea coast uh, but its position puts it less than eight hours away from 80 percent of the world's population which is incredible right so this thing is obviously helpfully positioned geographically somewhat in the middle of the globe if you're looking at the, the kind of standard flat map 
because um, the world is flat. We all know that. Uh, it's it's kind of a similar thing to Dubai and <laughs> Singapore. So they're they're cities that have really embraced and tried to become international air travel hubs by having very ridiculously basically well-positioned airports. Dubai basically became Dubai because it was a major stop-off place for airlines traveling from Europe through to Asia and Australia. Liam knows this. Liam's always in KL, Singapore, Dubai. Yeah, definitely. Dubai is super convenient. What, what is it? Especially if you're doing the um, Europe, say London to um, Australia and New Zealand, the flight from London's like, what, six hours? Six, yeah. seven hours or something like that? And then this, the next leg's like... I think it's like 14 to Australia, 13, 14, I think. But then you can go, so if you go Singapore, it's from where I am here, it's like eight and a half hours to Singapore and then Singapore to London's like 13 and a half hours. So I prefer to go to via Dubai just because you, you live so shorter. far away. You live so far away. <laughs> I know. It does when, you, when I say that, doesn't it? Sounds like it. You do. You you live crazy far. Like to me, I'm thinking, oh, Los Angeles is 11 hours away. I'm mm. like, wow, that's the other side of the US or like Hong Kong, or Japan. That's like 12, 13 hours. But wow, to that is impressive. But it goes to show how much demand there is for this sort of travel and how mm. yeah, Red Sea could capitalize on it. You know, the thing is with Dubai and Singapore as well is you. If you can afford to get the flights that go those routes, um, you'd opt for one of those um, routes, right? Because the airports are good, they're efficient, they're really clean, they've got you know good restaurants, things like that. They've got bars and all the amenities. <clears throat> so it's like what you were saying, Fred. They've they've established themselves as a major route for international travelers. Which one would you avoid? <laughs> Which, Which stop off? Ah, uh, probably Doha. Um, LA, when I'd fly from New Zealand to um, the UK. Los Angeles, you'd go the other way sometimes. Yeah, this Los is, this is, yeah, I used to do that years ago, like I don't know, oh 10, my. 12 years ago. My sister worked in New Zealand. I used to get staff travel. So you'd go to go to LA and then you'd have to get all your bags and then you'd have to go recheck in. And yeah, it was a nightmare. I was never again. I'm not sure if Air New Zealand still flies that way, but um, yeah, they used to. Wow, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen a lot of ads from places like Doha um, or Doha. Or how do you pronounce it? Doha, Doha. Anyway, that that place, uh, Dubai, um, other other Qatar destinations as well, where they're like, "Hey, don't just use us as a as a travel through. Why not plan your trip and stop off here for a day? Because we've got these things to do. Boom, boom, boom." And that's what they're trying to that's what they're trying to play with here because they're so close to so many people. It it ups the appeal. Yeah. Oh, another one would have been, uh, I think it's called Zhengzhou in China. You fly like China Southern when you need to get the, the cheap tickets. That's <laughs> that's no good. Is it Guang- oh, really? Guangzhou. Guangzhou. Yeah, I think so, mate. Um, it, yeah, I just, whenever I fly there, it's just, I don't know. I, it, either I was there late at night and there was just always just one fried chicken place that was open. So it was just, everyone's waiting to get fried chicken. And there was <laughs> nothing else open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go liam's guide to crossing the world coming soon guys where to stop where to eat it's coming your way soon little, little pocketbook coming out uh, now wrapping it up on the saudi chat we are coming up to the big one the line this is the 500 meter tall mirrored linear city that's going to stretch for 170 kilometers across the desert sands 
we've talked about this before, but it's it's enormous. It's outrageous. If you haven't seen it, then you've clearly been living under a rock. It's designed around the 15-minute city concept and is being pitched. It's being pitched as a futuristic eco-development with no cars, streets, or carbon emissions at all. Saudi government says it's going to create housing for 9 million people, which is a big, big thing. I think London's got about 9 or 10 million people. It's it's a big place. Uh, We've had leaked documents come out that show plans for everything from robot maids to an artificial moon. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, To make it easier to build... You know, to make it easier to build a 500-metre-tall mirrored linear city for 170 kilometres across the desert, they're breaking it up into bits. No-brainer there. Uh, what I did with my kitchen? Break it up into smaller bits. 135 modules. Each is going to be 800 metres long and 500 metres high. Still enormous great structures. Um, so, yeah, this is this is coming our way. I should say on the, on the environmental thing, which I kind of alluded to, they, they, the claim is that this linear shape will limit the amount of urban sprawl over the Earth's surface. And this is very fancy CGI videos that show urban sprawl all being gathered up, stacked together, and put into the line. But people are saying that the amount of water needed for this population could put a strain on surrounding resources. There is concern about impacts on wildlife migration plans. There's talk about what it could do to the existing ecosystems. There's conversations about the materials the volume of concrete the scale of the construction site we've been there's been drone footage of the construction site already which shows this huge funny enough linear shaped site stretching out across the desert um which has quite naturally already carving a path through through those established ecosystems so i i don't know lot lots to discuss with this one where where do you guys draw the line oh <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't help yourself, could you, mate? Couldn't, Couldn't help, help yourself. It. Line in the sand. Boom. I feel like I've got too many thoughts. I feel like I've got too, too, too many thoughts. Um, my gut just says it's so daft and stupid. Like I, I, I understand. I understand that it is incredibly impressive if they pull it off, and I, and I get the kind of the um, moving away from reliance on cars. You know. Um, and and the fact of the matter is, is something like this could 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 work. It could work in in theory. And again, if you if you squint, maybe. But I don't know, man. It, this is the one where I feel like this is Vanity Project One Hundred and One. This is this is Vanity Project on steroids, or even more than that. It's it's too much. It's too, 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 too much. And what, 9 million people are going to live there, Fred? Why well, do Saudi Arabia need to house 9 million people? I don't think there's a line. I don't think there's a line, a queue of people <laughs> waiting to like emigrate to Saudi, are there? Is there? You know, well, I don't know. Well, yeah, but they would argue that that could be the case when they, when they construct this, when they get their economic you know, boost that they're aiming for here. I agree with you, Luke. I feel I, I want to be optimistic. I want to believe in... Yeah the power of engineers and construction professionals to make something like this happen, the power of the construction industry to make something like this happen. But when I just try and imagine it in detail, I try and picture a 500-meter tall building, which is basically Medeca P&B up to roofline, or One World Trade Center up to its up to its top. That then stretching out for one kilometer, two kilometer, three kilometers, 170 kilometers, I just find it, my brain can't fathom it. Maybe that's me. <laughs> Maybe I need to be more have more vision. But 
I just can't see. I, I really hope it's be proved wrong, just from an engineering perspective. Putting aside all the other issues, engineering-wise, it would be impressive to see it built. But I just can't picture it. Oh, and what's? I'm, I'm still um, trying to understand what the purpose of the line is. Headlines, attention. Yeah. <laughs> the population of Saudi Arabia is only 35 or 36 million. So you've got 9 million people. Mm. I mean, there's it's, no, there aren't timescales on the line, so we don't know when this is going to be built or opened by. Unless I've missed them. I, I think I've got 2030 in my head, but that might be another project. So, Yeah, you, you couldn't build this by then, right? Seven years. <laughs> Seven years. <laughs> The US, UK, or Australia couldn't build this <laughs> by 2030, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. True. Well, it, it seems so artificial as well. You know, cities and the best cities are usually organic, aren't they? You know, because when they're engineered, when they're new towns, whether you um, built grids in New York, you know, there's always problems that like come from that. Whereas if you if you let a city grow organically you know build bit by bit do it in phases historically that's how we've always done things and that's how usually usually how it works best for the people that live in the cities live in those towns live in those places and i think in this instance like even with saying look um leaked documents about robot maids and an artificial moon like Let's say if this gets built in 10 years' time, yeah, which I don't think it will. I don't think it will last. But, like, let's say if it gets built in 10 years' time, you know, what else is there going to be? It's like building um, your city around, like, VR as an, exam- as, as an example. Like, I think one of the projects earlier, we mentioned VR. You know, VR is a thing now, but is are people going to be that bothered about it in a few years' time, or will they just go back to traditional stuff? I was thinking the, the Nintendo Wii, right? Nintendo Wii is a great example. Console <laughs> came out 2006. They were like, this console's changing gaming, and people are going to be like getting fit, getting physically active with, with video games and stuff, and that's, that's it. That's going to be the new thing. S- Sony and Microsoft tried to dabble in it. Guess what? A few years down the line, people didn't really care. People just wanted to have a controller, sit on their sofa and play a game. You, do you see what I'm getting at? Is that it feels to me like Saudi are like launching all this stuff, and Line is the epitome of this. Is that launching all this stuff as a charm offensive, as like for, for clout, for for headlines, like you said, Fred? But you know, is it actually that thought out? Has, I know you mean, has, think things get popped into the. It feels like things get popped into the press release or the news announcement because they're fashionable right now. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a 15 minute city. Oh, right. it's going to have minimal carbon emissions. Oh, it's going to provide housing for people from all different kinds of backgrounds. Like, right. And the VR thing in the cube, we have an immersive VR experience. Like, it's very good for news and conversation today, but you're building here for the future. But are they building for the future? Are they just throwing stuff in the air, getting loads of attention, triggering investment, and then hoping this stuff comes along through? longer-term economic growth part-funded by the private sector. I I don't... Who knows? Who knows what's going on? It feels, as I said earlier, it feels beyond the grasp of reality. I, yeah. I, try, I try to imagine it. I really do. I think about other skyscrapers, the engineering, the joints, the detail, 
the systems it takes to make them run, and then I apply everything I know about construction to this project, I just can't see it. I, I maybe maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe it's beyond me. But for me, it feels too far away. I've just read on the news, right? £1.2 billion contract awarded for Neom's railway between the Oxygen and the line, between that port Ooh. and the line. So they're taking this stuff serious, aren't they? What shape's There's the railway? No- Is it a rectangle? Huh? They're calling it the connector. <laughs> you think I'm? You think I'm joking? That's actually that's that's actually the name. That's actually the name. Oh, the trapezium, <laughs> the link. Mm, I don't know. I don't the know. Oval. I think they are. They are taking it serious. Hey, we've got we've got the oval know. in London. There you go. Yeah, mate. We've got, we've we've got, got the shapes. gherkin, mate. We've got the gherkin. Oh, winner, yeah. winner. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I think Saudi. You want a pickle shaped skyscraper? We got it. It's 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 <laughs> a hard one because like if this, you could say this about every big project, but with this one, it really does feel to me. It really does feel like um, we've got so many issues in the world at the moment and so many problems, and you know we're do, we're doing this. And although if it does get built, you know it it could look outstanding it's another thing that you just look at and you're like wow that's like the hanging gardens of babylon isn't it it's like it's like the new wonder and it feels like saudi are doing that a few times that's their plan to do that a few times in the space of a few years yeah I mean, i'd be interested mm. to see what what our listeners think of this like are, are we being are we lacking ambition here guys can we just not see it are we being too small-minded Right. Uh, do we need a bit more optimism? I'd yeah, be interested to see what people think. I want to flag up one other story with this because I think it's important to give it some exposure. There's a report come out called The Dark Side of Neom. So the line is part of uh, Saudi Arabia's larger push to develop the Red Sea coast, which is largely called Neom. Um, so it's a report by a human rights group uh, that found that local tribes people were trying to, revist, try, sorry, trying to resist eviction from the site around the line that were rounded up by the government and arrested. Some of them have received sentences of 50 years in prison, and five of them, at the time of recording, have been sentenced to death. This is for resisting being evicted from their land where the line is going to be built, where they've existed for a very long time. So that's obviously something quite shocking. I should say that forced evictions happen all around the world for all kinds of products. We call it compulsory purchase in the UK. We call it compulsory purchase in the US. We have a much fairer system uh in the in the west uh it's obviously a bit more a bit more dramatic here china do a similar thing they just kind of get on a build thing and force eviction people so this isn't just a saudi issue but i think this is a, a very early example of how behind the gloss there is some some darker stuff going on yeah i mean that's a given in it for a project this big who's going to build it yeah it's going to be I guarantee yeah. you'll get a quote from my local pub, mate. Someone I come up with that. Oh, yeah, what do you want? Yeah, we'll do that for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, windows. Do you want windows? Yeah, windows. mate. Need some windows, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll do that for you. Yeah, we'll come around. Come around, choose that for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, oh. let us know what you think about Saudi. We've, we've dived into a lot of detail here on the Saudi Arabia stuff. Are we, are we right? Are we on the money? Have we missed any points here? Uh, are we being too small-minded? I think it's probably the big thing I want to ask. Uh, really want to know your thoughts on this. Get your comments coming in. Get your emails coming in. Podcast at the B1M.com. It's 
swinging over to also in the news just one story this week so we've talked a lot about saudi arabia uh, but we are going over to china where a futuristic six tower development has been proposed in nanjing this is designed by un studio it's going to have it's going to be mixed use obviously because everything mixed everything's mixed use you've got residential apartments you've got commercial space it's all rising on a very nice riverside site that kind of flows the river flows through the middle of the site which is pretty nice pretty interesting looks good from the renders at least uh, it's going to be a new hub for culture, innovation, and finance in the city of Nanjing. So mixed-use development, mini-city within a city, doing a bit of everything. Some very cool and exciting-looking dramatic skyscrapers. Yes, skyscrapers in China. They approved them here. Obviously got through the got through the regulations. Um, I should say the project name is called K.WAHG72. Now, I don't know if that's some sort of Chinese translation uh, or if I'm missing something. Or if it's just a code name, but doesn't quite roll off the tongue. Sounds like the order number, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Mackie T's. Yeah. KWAG72. <laughs> uh, well, I like the helipad on render one. Yeah, the helipad's dope, isn't it? Yeah. I'm 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 That's actually cool. I'm 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 a fan of this project. I'm a fan of it. I really like the tallest tower. I like the second tallest tower. I like the uh, mixed use approach, the kind of city within a city. We've seen it done loads of times. We've seen it in renders. Um, but I mean, there's a river going in the middle. I know. Yeah. There's a river with like, with an awesome little riverbank by it. You know, I, I actually think this is really decent. I think it's really, really decent. And I can kind of picture what it would look like in my mind's eye. You know, and I think in China, they know how to build these type of buildings. They know how to build mm. them, and they've got a good experience of building them. So, how nice is fan. the curved, curved bottoms? I was just going to say, second, right, second slide. That is a bit of a UN Studio trait, right? The curved bottoms is very kind of classic UN Studio. But they had those on four Frankfurt, and then in the latest iteration, they've gone out. And we've just got square blocks going up now on four. Oh, Frankfurt. really? So it's not, yeah. So I'll be interested to see if they stay. But that is a very very nice touch. They kind of merge out of the landscape, don't they? I think they're really nice. Yeah, yeah a bit of a wow. UN Studio trait that is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm no, a fan. I th- yeah, I'm a massive fan. I'm a massive fan. I think it's. I think it's very, very good. Very impressive. And yeah, the 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 curvature. There's also, I think, is it on the fourth on the fourth slide here on Instagram or fifth? I think it's the fifth actually, the last one. Um, there's that building. It, it looks like a museum. It looks outstanding. It looks outstanding the way it kind of is defying logic. It's kind of tricking your eye into thinking it's just floating a wee bit, but it's not. It's been supported by those like glass podium. Oh, mate, I, I, I think this is really, really impressive. I think any city, you know, within reason would be would be fortunate to have this development, to be honest. Yeah, a few comments on this. People saying that it, the, the, these renders look like what comes up when you type futuristic city into AI or, or Google, <laughs> which I can agree with. Um, someone saying, I love how well integrated and connected these towers are at ground level. I, I would totally agree with that. I think they look very mm-hmm. well thought out at ground level. Very nice. Um, for balance, we've got someone else saying uh, the skyscrapers are just more boring glass boxes that could be in any city anywhere. The yeah. last two slides are interesting. I wish there were more natural elements. We've got a river in the middle, mate. So, you know, <laughs> calm down. What do you want? 
<laughs> yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. The river, come on, the river. It's all about the river. I I I agree with that, but that's that's something that I just think it with that's the that's the trend of the age we're living in, isn't it? That a lot of skyscrapers do look a little bit samey wherever you go on the planet. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing, but it's kind of the reality we're living in. If you designed this is probably for a different episode, but if you designed a skyscraper, what would you have on it? Trees. <laughs> yes yes walkie talkie shapes with trees on bring back stone mate bring back stone mm. masonry that's what I'd have let's go back let's throw it back especially in like cities that can pull it off where it's historical you doesn't you don't have to just do copycat like art deco but come on let's 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 move away from just using all glass facades that's what I'd do, mate. Yeah, something like um, a bit of a, yeah, I, I agree with that. Like a stepped skyscraper, so it steps down. I quite like that when it when oh. it's when it's pulled off well. Literally mm-hmm. describing Art Deco skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> we should um, we should take all take all these take this little list we've all got and type it into AI and see what comes up. Just get a skyscraper design out of that. Done. Yeah. Bang. Stick on social it, media. Bang. You're an architect. Yeah, yeah, mm. we'll do it, mate. Throwing, throwing words, mixed-use podium. Stick some trees on. Fifteen-minute city. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be sustainable. It's going to be housing. It's going to be AR. Going to be VR. Done. Put me in the metro. Who in the news? Happy. Saudi will so- hire you, mate. Saudi are going to hire you to do. <laughs> and they Next. got messy. They got messy. Um, now, swinging over, Luke, to the inbox. Uh, what's what's going on? What's erupting? What's going down? In the right. Okay. Week? So we got we 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 got um, last week we had some spicy emails. This week we've got a review. We got a few reviews, but we're just going to do the one today. Um, this is from Rob Elio. Okay, and Rob, uh, thank you so much for listening. But I'm going to have to censor just a wee part of your review. Yeah. Um, but he says the, the, the title says amazing podcast full of facts, bants and great introduction music. Cheers, mate. Uh, he goes on to say, Ama- <laughs> he goes, amazing podcast, proper little banger. I have binged this and now listen weekly. Great pub style commentary filled with witty banter and lots of knowledgeable subjects, mainly Fred. Um, hearing the intro music always brings a smile. Um, he goes on to talk about Fred in a very intimate way, but he, he even says himself, anyway, I digress. Yeah, that's the bit I'm censoring. He goes, anyway, I don't, because we're a family friendly show, you know, we're family friendly. He says, anyway, well, it wasn't I family digress. Friendly. Um, it wasn't family friendly. I didn't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you after. You anyone can see this on Apple Podcasts, though. So <laughs> mums and dads, Excellent. yeah, go look at that. Um, it says anyway. I digress from construction. Um, have the B one M thought about looking into the move from methane gas to hydrogen in the UK gas mains, for example, high net in the northwest. Keep up, keep up the great podcast, lads. Rob. Um, so he's gone from like something quite jokey to quite serious appreciate serious that question. rob you legend um, it, it's a big infrastructure upgrade that we should definitely uh, look into i'm not sure how exciting upgrading a gas main could be uh, but we will have a look at it 
No problem, mate. I'm sort of holding back what I'm saying. I'm not really sure if I'm talking to or what he said. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> well, guys, keep your, keep your five-star reviews coming in. Keep your reviews coming in. Keep your emails coming in. We love to hear from you. We love to read it out. Obviously, this episode, we talked about a lot of stuff, so we really, really, really do want to get your feedback. Uh, let us know what you think about this. Get your comments coming in. Podcast at the B1M.com. You, you happy, guys? Happy with this episode? Had a good time? I've loved it, mate. I can't believe how much Saudi's doing. I really can't it's believe mental, that. Isn't it? Getting it all in one place. Yeah, yeah, it is mental. It is mental. It's, it's it's impressive. It's topical. It's controversial. It's kind of the perfect construction talking point, isn't it, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been a banger. There we go. Yeah, as sausages go, yeah. as podcasts go, it's been mm. an absolute banger. Right, we'll see you later, yeah. guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. What have you been up to, uh, Liam? You've had a good week, mate? Yeah, good, have mate. The... Have we done, Liam? Yeah, yeah we did. We, we did, we did Liam. Cut this out. Cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll cut it out. I'll cut it out. <laughs>